Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. My name is Greg Clark. I'm the lead pastor here. Excited for today. Today's a good, good day. Well, let's... uh, Let's do something here. You know what I didn't do? I forgot to talk. So sound booth people, do you guys have a timer you can put up on the screen? Is that something you could do quickly? They're both staring at me and they're both saying no. Okay, it's not going to happen. So we're not going to quickly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my, my phone and I'm going to put a timer here. Here's what we're going to do. How long do you think that you can hold your breath for? Like, like I tested myself. I did a minute 10. I don't know if that's awesome or terrible. I have no idea. But uh, we're going to time you guys. Now, so you guys that are at home and watching online, you guys can join in on this. But please, nobody put your life in danger. Please don't put your life in danger. Hold your breath. See how long we can hold our breath for. And we'll, uh, we'll see. We'll just, we're just going to have some fun with this, okay? Are you guys ready for this? Okay, so I'm going to start a timer. We're going to hold our breath. I'll tell you when we're like at 30. I'm not going to do it with you. I've already done it. I've got a minute 10. I'm done. Because then my sermon will be terrible. I'll be like, <gasps> okay, you know. But I'll tell you when we're at 30 seconds and when we're at a minute and stuff like that, and we'll just see. Okay, you guys ready for this? Okay, so we're going to take all the oxygen out of the room. It's going to be awesome. Okay, so get ready. So we're going to, we're going to hold our breath in three, two, one, go. Okay, we're at five seconds. You guys are doing good. Don't laugh because that makes it terrible. Twenty seconds. Feels like longer though, right? We are at thirty seconds. Who's still holding their breath? We're at thirty seconds. Okay, we still got quite a few. All right. Keep on going. We're at forty five. We got a few of you still going? Just pop your hand up if you're still going. Yeah, a couple of you. We're almost to a minute. Okay, we're at a minute. Okay, a couple of you still going. Okay, minute five. Minute ten. We got still somebody going? A couple of people going still? Okay. Minute fifteen. Don't put yourself in peril. Minute 20. Anybody still going? Okay, we still got one more going. 125. 130. 135. Anybody still going? <laughs> no, you're not. Okay, I think that's everybody. Minute 40. Minute 45. Okay, so how many of you guys made it? to 30 seconds. Pretty good, okay? How about 45? You guys are at 45 still? Okay. A minute? Who made it to a minute? Okay, a couple of you still. A minute 15? Yeah. A minute 20? Okay. How far did you make it? 125? Anybody more than 125? 
More than 125. How, are you still holding your breath? <laughs> what did you make it up to? 130. That's awesome. I did 110, so it's not too bad. But 130, that's awesome. Do you guys know what the world record is for holding? Now, they did it underwater. So someone held their breath underwater. The world record was, was set by a Croatian named Budimir Sobot who held his breath underwater for 24 minutes and 37 seconds. That's crazy. That's wild, right? That's crazy. I mean, most people can do just kind of around a minute unless you've like significantly trained your body. And there's some people actually in the world, there's like this group of, of divers, free divers, um, that, that are in this, this tribe that go free diving all the time, and their spleens are actually twice as large, or 50% larger than most everybody else's spleens. Your spleen helps you to oxygenate your blood. It stores oxygenated blood, and their spleens are 50% larger than everybody else's. It's crazy. But unless you really train yourself, a minute's probably like a big deal, right? A minute's a big deal. Do you know that one of the first things that emergency personnel do if they come into an emergency situation and you're laid out on the floor, the first thing they do is they check your pulse and they check your breathing. Do you know why? Because if you're not breathing, you're not living. If you're not breathing, you're not, you have to breathe. Most people, if they don't breathe for five minutes or more, they start to get brain damage, which might, it's just a terrible thing, right? But it's, it's, we need to breathe. If you're not breathing, you're not living. I want you to look with me in Genesis chapter 2. We're just going to look at one verse. So you don't have to, if you've got your Bibles with you, you're going to get frustrated today because we're actually going to be jumping around to a couple different spots. Uh, but this passages will be up on the screen here. But in Genesis chapter 2, I want you to, to read, read what's on the screen here as I read it out to you. So it's, this is what the account of how God made Adam. So this is what Scripture says. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. The breath of God, God's own breath, was breathed into Adam to make him a living being. In the Old Testament, the, the Hebrew word for breath is ruach. It's like this great word. I'm not going to say it that way every time because it gets hard, but ruach is what it is. Okay, say that. Someone said it over there. Ruach. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Okay, it's, it's the word translated as breath, but did you know it's also translated as spirit? Isn't that awesome? In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, here's what's written. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Ruach, Spirit of God, was hovering over the waters. I remember when I was younger, we sang a song by Keith Green, that kind of dates me a little bit, called Create in Me a Clean Heart, and it goes kind of like this, and cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. It's, it's a song that's written directly from a psalm written by King David. It's in the Bible. And King David wrote this psalm where he, he calls on God to not take the Holy Spirit away from him. And the word he uses in Hebrew is Ruach HaKodesh. 
which is Holy Spirit, but it also literally means holy breath. Don't take your holy breath from me. These Hebrew words are used many times. Off, like wherever you see spirit in the Old Testament, it's this word ruach. And it's sometimes connected with hakodesh, which is, which is holy spirit, or it's in there as ruach Elohim, which is spirit of God. But it literally means holy breath or breath of God. The spirit, the holy spirit of God, the ruach of God is the very breath of of God, but not like our breath, which is just a, a puff of air. The Ruach of God is a living, thinking, active, and powerful person. The Spirit was there in the beginning, as we read earlier, hovering over the deep at the creation of the world. The Spirit filled and empowered many people throughout the Old Testament to perform both miraculous uh, efforts and seemingly mundane tasks. For the miraculous, we see the Spirit of God come upon uh, some of the judges. If you read in the book of Judges in the Old Testament, like Samson, most people know Samson, this, this giant boorish of a man who had muscles and could do amazing feats and, of strength. But his strength didn't come from his muscles. His strength came from the breath of God. Uh, for the mundane stuff, but not really mundane, uh, the Spirit filled this guy named Bezalel. In Exodus chapter 35, Bezalel was filled with the Spirit to masterfully work metal, stone, and wood. Bezalel was a craftsman who worked on the temple. He was actually the first person in the Bible who it says was filled with the Holy Spirit. The very first person in the, in the whole of the Bible that is filled with the Holy Spirit is this Bezalel, a craftsman, who was filled so that he could make beautiful, beautiful artistry within the temple. Isn't that amazing? We don't always recognize the artistry and beauty that goes into these types of things, this stuff when we work with our hands. But God's breath inspires and empowers people. He stirs people up to, to perform artistic things as well as other stuff. And God sees the importance and value of those who work with their hands. The Ruach, the Spirit of God, also spoke through the prophets, bringing God's words, His very breath, to the ears of those who would listen. People were filled with the breath of God and moved in amazing ways. Now, in the transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the language changed, but God remained the same. The Hebrew ruach, breath of God, changed to the Greek pneuma, still breath of God or spirit of God. When we talk about pneumatology, we're talking about the study of the Holy Spirit, but you can see the pneuma in lots of our words nowadays, like when you get pneumonia, it's something to do with your breath. Like the pneuma continues forward today even. We understand pneuma as something to do with breath. And it, in the Greek, meant breath, but also spirit of God. It's not this, just the language that changes from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Something else changes. Our knowledge of God grows in the New Testament. God remains the same, but we understand him more and more. While we get a glimpse into the character of God in the Old Testament, it's really the New Testament that begins to paint us this beautiful picture of who God is. We get to see him so much more in the New Testament. We get to see the Holy Spirit's character come through brilliantly in the New Testament. Of course, we, we have Jesus in the New Testament, and he is the exact representation of the Father, so we can see God's character there. But the Holy Spirit just begins to shine in the New Testament. One of the reasons for this 
is because when Jesus died on the cross on our behalf, he made a way for us to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, in the Old Testament, like with people like Samson and the prophets and different people, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon a person and they would do the task they needed to, to do and then the Holy Spirit would leave. And the, Holy Spirit, the person was just left there without the Holy Spirit. But in the New Testament, because of Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension back into heaven, the Holy Spirit has been sent to fill people and to stay, to stay, that we would no longer be left alone, that we would be filled continually with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives within all those who trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. God's breath resides in you. Look at this. Apostle Paul is talking uh, to Jesus' followers, and as he's talking to Jesus' followers, he says this in Ephesians chapter 1. You also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You see, when you believe in Jesus, you get marked by the Holy Spirit because you now belong to God. Now pay attention here, okay? When mankind was created, we were made in God's image and God breathed his breath into us so that we would live. God jump-started us with his ruach, his breath, but the Holy Spirit did not live in us at the time. We are body, soul, and spirit, and we have a spirit, but God's Holy Spirit did not live in us. But now... If you are in Christ Jesus, you are born again. Look at, look at this. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 3. He says, No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Then he goes on a couple verses later. He says, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to, to, to Spirit. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are born again, spiritually. And this time you've been born of the Spirit, not just of the water. God's Ruach has been put in you. God sealed you, breathed His Ruach into you, His breath, His Spirit into you because you've been made in His image and you are now born again in His Son. You now carry God's Ruach, his Numa, his Holy Spirit in you as a seal of God. And in a similar way as to how it worked out at the creation of mankind, now that God has breathed his Ruach into you, his Numa into you, you live. You live. You live. See, before we knew Jesus, we were spiritually dead. We were spiritually dead. We didn't know that, but we were dead people walking, dead man walking, dead woman walking. We didn't know that. But before we knew Jesus, we were spiritually dead. But in Jesus and through his Holy Spirit, we are made alive in Christ. And just as there is no life without breath, there's no spiritual life without the Spirit. There's no spiritual life without the breath of God, the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is amazing. He is amazing. He does so many things in our life, and we're, we're not even aware of what he does. But I, I picked out a couple of passages. You're not going to see the full passages up here. I just put the, 
the location of them. If you want to, you can watch this sermon later and, and look these passages up. But here's just some of the things that the Holy Spirit does, who he is and what he does. So in 1 Peter 4.14, he is the spirit of glory and the spirit of God who rests on you in times of trouble. It's this amazing part in 1 Peter where it talks about when you're going through difficulties, when you're going through trials, lean on the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God and the Spirit of glory who rests on you in these times of troubles. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he's a Spirit of God who speaks through you that Jesus is Lord. He gives confession through you that Jesus is Lord. In Romans chapter 8, he's the Spirit who helps you put to death the misdeeds of the body so you can live by the Spirit. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he's the Spirit who sanctifies you, makes you holy through belief in the truth. In Ephesians chapter 1, he's the Spirit of wisdom. Anybody ever lack wisdom in this room? I don't, you don't have to raise your hand. Some of you did. <laughs> I'm raising both hands. When we lack wisdom... The Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom who gives us wisdom. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he's the gift giver for the building up of the rest of the body of Christ. In Galatians 5, he is the fruit producer for making your character look more like the character of Christ. We sang that song today, gentleness, joy, love, patience, all these things. That's the character of Christ that the Holy Spirit produces in you and through you. And in Romans chapter 8, he is this spirit who raised Christ from the dead. This is awesome. Okay, so it's, it's two parts here. First, in Romans, Paul says, don't you know that the Holy Spirit is the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead? Which is awesome. Everybody goes, hey, that's wonderful. And that spirit, that same spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives in you now. And he is giving you life. Isn't that amazing? The same spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives in you and is giving you life. There's no life without the breath of God. So the question here today is, how desperate are you today to know more of the Spirit of God? How desperate are you to know more of the Spirit of God? When we just take a glimpse at what the Holy Spirit does in us, for us, through us, does it, does it not make you desperate to know Him more? Just over 10 years ago, my family and I were at a swimming pool, uh, and my daughter, Abby, you may have heard this story before, I've shared it a couple of times. My daughter, Abby, who was six years old, was in the pool, but she was staying close to the edge because she wasn't really a super proficient swimmer at the time. Um, and I was sitting uh, outside of the pool chatting with, uh, with some people, and we're chatting, and she's swimming uh, and having fun. And she, at some point, moved a little bit away from the edge, and the water wasn't over her head but the water on her tippy toes was up to here. So that's where she was. She was on her tippy toes with the water just about here, staring straight at me. She was holding her breath, and she had no way of taking another breath and was hoping for the one that she had taken to last long enough to be saved. When we held our breath at the beginning of the sermon, no one here was actually desperate for another breath. I know you guys are working really hard. Like at, at a minute 30, you're like, I'm going to do this, right? But you knew all you needed to do was open your mouth up again and, and you'd have breath. It was easy. Like there was no desperation in any of us here. 
But what if you were in the same situation that Abby was, where there was no possibility, unless somebody kind of went in there and grabbed her, there was no possibility that she was going to be able to get another breath. How desperate do you think you would be then? I remember it took a moment for my brain to kick in and realize what I was looking at because she was calm. She was not thrashing. She wasn't, her face didn't look anxious or anything like that. She was just super calm with the water right here, holding her breath, looking straight at me. But when my brain kicked in, realizing what had happened, I jumped into the water, I pulled her up, and I set her on the side of the pool, and she went, <gasps> and took a big breath. She was desperate for that breath. She was desperate for that breath. There's no life without breath. How desperate are you for the Holy Spirit? I'm afraid that most of our world pays no attention to the Holy Spirit. Many Christians actually pay no attention to the Holy Spirit. But there is no life without breath, and the Holy Spirit is the breath of God. We cannot live this life without the Holy Spirit. How desperate are you for more of the Holy Spirit? You can't do this without Him. You may not know it, but if you're not seeking more of the Holy Spirit, it's like you're under the water and you've taken one breath and you're under the water hoping that breath is going to last until the end. You need to be desperate for more of the Holy Spirit. You see, being filled with the Holy Spirit is passive in some ways. Like actual breathing is, you don't actually have to think about breathing. You just do it. Now, I don't know if, as I'm talking about breathing, if you guys are conscious of your breathing right now. But normally, you're not conscious of your breathing, and you just breathe, and, and it's just a passive thing. And everyone who's a believer or a follower of Jesus Christ is filled with the Spirit. It's the seal that Christ has put upon us to seal us and mark us as His. So we have the Holy Spirit. That's passive, and that's wonderful. Part of the Holy Spirit in us is passive. But being filled with the Holy Spirit is also somewhat active. It's also like breathing. Sometimes... We have to be very aware of our breathing, and we sometimes need to seek out the continual filling of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you guys run or, or if you accidentally run sometimes or whatever happens, but when you're doing exercise or you're running or doing whatever, you have to be conscious of your breathing. You have to be conscious that you're not doing that, right? You have to be conscious that you're actually breathing in time and you're taking nice deep breaths. You have to be conscious of your breathing. And it's like that a little bit with the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about this more next week, but for now, you need to know that there is an active part, an active part of being filled with the Spirit and experiencing more of the Spirit. You play an active role in being continually filled with the breath of God more and more. So the question is, are you actively seeking more of the Spirit how desperate are you for more of the Holy Spirit? I want you to do something with me. Um, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes in just a moment, and I'm going to ask you to, to put yourself in a receiving posture. Or we're going to actively seek out more of the Holy Spirit today. And it, it's not a crazy, magical, weird thing. We're just going to pray the Holy Spirit would come and fill us afresh. So close your eyes for a moment. You can put your hands out in front of you or just put yourself in a, in a receiving posture, and I'm just going to pray for you, and if you agree with me, you can say an amen at the end. So, Jesus, we just thank you that you've sent your Holy Spirit to fill every person who believes in you, and now we take an active role in asking for more. 
We ask for more of you, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us to overflowing, that you would refresh us, that you would empower us, equip us, encourage us, comfort us in our times of need, strengthen us in our times of weakness, give us wisdom when we're not so wise. The Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and just, you would just fill your people. I just pray over you, church, right now, that you would be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, that you get a fresh filling even right now to receive everything that Jesus has for you. That as you're filled, you would know how much you're loved by your Heavenly Father. That as you're filled, you would know how much Jesus has accomplished for you. That as you're filled, you'll be filled to the full. So we thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for coming. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for filling us afresh. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Where the breath of God is, there is life. There is life. Now we're going to transition a little bit to baptism. But it's not a hard shift because baptism is closely associated with being filled with the Holy Spirit. One of the ways that we can actively pursue more of the Holy Spirit in our lives is through obedience to God's Word. We're going to talk about this next week. But by being obedient to what God has called us to, we can actively be filled with the Holy Spirit. And very clearly in God's word, we see that everyone who's a follower of Jesus Christ is called to be baptized. And so being baptized is an act of obedience to God's word. And by being obedient, we pursue, pursue more of the Holy Spirit. Now in our church, we practice believer's baptism, which simply means that we don't baptize babies. Okay, so we wait until someone is old enough to understand what Christ has done in their life and, uh, and when they can make a public confession of their faith where they can say, yes, I believe in Jesus, he lives in my heart, and I want to walk in obedience to Jesus. When people can say that, we invite them to be baptized. So if you're a follower of Jesus today and you've not been baptized, as an act of obedience to God's word, I encourage you to be baptized I encourage you, just as you're sitting there right now, if you're like, I'm a believer, Jesus lives in my heart, I've given my life to him, I want to follow him in obedience, but I've not been baptized, if that's you, we want to encourage you to come and get baptized today. So I'm going to ask you, if you want to do that, that you would, at some point, we're going to have a song that we're going to play in a moment here, Um, and when the song is playing, the song is not trying to get you to move, right? So we're not trying to manipulate you in any way. We're just asking you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you've not been baptized, to consider being baptized. And if that's going to be you, you can come chat with Pastor Nate, Pastor Amy, or myself, and we'd love to get you baptized today. The question that, that... precedes this question is this. Maybe you haven't invited Jesus. Maybe you have not invited Jesus into your life yet. Maybe you've not given your life to Jesus. So the question before the question of baptism is, are you a follower of Jesus? And if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is an act of obedience that you can do right now. Jesus has put the invitation out there for you to follow him. Now, the prayer for becoming a follower of Jesus is not a magical prayer. It's just a basic submission of our life to Jesus. So I put a prayer up on the screen here. And uh, if you have not become a follower of Jesus before, you can pray a prayer that's something like this. So I'm going to actually pray this prayer. If you want to become a follower of Jesus today, you can just close. We're going to all close our eyes. You can just, in your own head, pray this prayer along with me. So everybody close your eyes for a moment. 
If you want to become a follower of Jesus for the first time today, you can pray something like this. Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my wrongdoings. Make me born again. And fill me with your Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you've done that for the first time today, we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to encourage you and walk with you through this new journey of following Jesus. So come and chat with us as well after the service, one of us pastors, or grab an elder if there's an elder around. And we'd love to talk to you more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Now for those who are followers of Jesus who are not baptized yet, I invite you to follow Jesus' example. Jesus was baptized as an act of obedience to his heavenly Father. So I invite you, if you've not been baptized yet, to be baptized. Baptism is a symbolic picture of the new life that you receive when you become a follower of Jesus. It symbolizes us joining together with Jesus in his death and his resurrection. So it's symbolic. When we do the baptism, people go under the water, which symbolizes dying to ourself, and then they come out of the water, which symbolizes being born again. So what we do, just to give you a description of what's about to happen, what we do is we get, you, get the people in the tub. Uh, they share a short story of what Jesus has done in their life. Uh, someone else here is going to say an encouraging word for them, so they've already picked somebody. Um, if you're doing this uh, spontaneously, uh, we will pick somebody, or you can grab somebody and say, hey, I'm going to get baptized. Come say an encouraging word for me. Um, and that person will give an encouraging word for you. And then we ask three questions. Here's what the questions are. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died for you and rose from the dead? And hopefully the person getting baptized will say yes. Have you repented of your sins and received him by faith as your Savior and Lord? And will you receive afresh today the filling of the Holy Spirit to give you the ability to follow Jesus all the days of your life? If you can answer yes to those three questions, then you are ready to get baptized. So once the person in the tub answers those three questions, then the person who's baptizing them just says, upon confession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we dunk you down. And then everybody claps. It's really fun and beautiful. It's good. So remember, your part. You guys have to clap. Okay. So we've actually got a couple people. We've got three people that are getting baptized today. Um, if, uh, if there's others who are wanting to, certainly come chat with one of us. We'd love to talk to you about that. Uh, if it's just the three, that's a joyous day as well. That's fantastic. Okay? So we're going to get right at it. We're going to actually sing this song. So why don't you stand? We're going to sing this song together, and then, uh, and then we're going to get some baptisms happening. Well... So I'm going to do the benediction for you here, so why don't you stand with me? What a good day, hey? Well, my prayer for you is that as you've heard these testimonies, as you've seen the work Jesus has done in people's lives, that I would encourage you, whether it encourages you in your own faith to continue to work forward in Jesus, whether it encourages you to get to know Jesus, maybe for the first time, wherever you're at today, Take another step towards him. Take another step towards him. And so I bless you today to know how much you are loved by your heavenly father. As Cheryl shared, he's not an angry God. He loves you desperately so much that your heavenly father has sent his own son, Jesus Christ. I bless you today to know the forgiveness that Jesus has for you. 
that you would know how far he has gone, that he has separated your sin as far as the east is from the west, and he invites you to step in a relationship with him. I bless you today to know more of the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, that you be filled to overflowing with his presence and know God more. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So blessings on you. We have food downstairs. Join us. Dessert's always really great. And uh, yeah, blessings on you. Oh, Reminder, it's family style. If you did bring food, you're in charge of getting it out. So nobody's in there getting it out, and you're in charge of cleaning it up. All right, we'll see you downstairs. Blessings on you. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you'd like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ and then make him known.